Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Come on, come on, come on. Who's excited to be in the house this morning? Come on, we got a couple people here today that are just watching with us. Y'all put your hands together. Come on, what an incredible day. Hey, if you're watching online, Facebook's been having some issues. You can jump over to YouTube if somehow you're getting this information. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be back in the house. Come on. Been gone the past two weeks celebrating the birth of our second son, Avery Jet. He is home. He is doing good. So, so thankful. So thankful for all the nurses and doctors. He had a speedy process. He was only in the NICU for a week. And he is already eating like crazy, sleeping good. And so I'm just excited to be back. And uh, if you're watching with us, thank you so much again for watching. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Cody and uh, I get to serve as a lead pastor here. And uh, if you haven't shared this yet, I want you to share it. It is the easiest way. It's the easiest way to invite some people to church. Amen. And you may, you never know. You may invite somebody today and their eternity could be changed by simply hitting a share button. And uh, it's just powerful. It's a crazy world we live in. And today, I want to start a new series called Dangerous Prayers. And I know for some of you, you're like, come on, we're starting a series on prayer. Like, we're worried about the kids going back to school with the coronavirus. We're worried about our finances. And here's just what I want to argue with you, that there is power in prayer. Amen? There is power in prayer. And maybe the thing that you need most, the thing you need to do, the solution you're looking for is prayer. And I want to I talk about this idea of dangerous prayers because I think if we're just being honest, the problem with so many of our prayers is that they're safe, that they're, that they're mundane, that they're routine. And like sometimes I just start to wonder like if it's more than just simply praying to God before you eat and before you go to bed. I just wonder like this past week when I think about the, the goodness of God, the, the bigness of God, when I think about the God who breathed everything from nothing, the God that spun the solar system into existence. I just wonder if he goes, is that it? Is that all you want to ask? Is that all you want to talk to me about? It's safe and it's secure. So today we're going to kick off a series, Dangerous Prayers. And for the next 21 days, we're going to be going through prayer and fasting as a church. And just so you know, there's a link in the description. You can go on our website. There's some resources there for you to help explain to you more about fasting and prayer. There's a, there's a guide that you can download that's just for you. And then there's 21 dangerous prayers you can pray with us for the next 21 days, written by Gary Romeyer, a friend of mine, the, the, pastor of, or the, the president of Convergement America. So we're just excited. We'd love for you to go on that journey with us. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you. We thank you for how good you are. God, we thank you that even though we may not always see you or feel you, God, we know you're working. So God, I just pray you would move today, that you would be made famous, that you would be made known. God, reveal yourself to us. God, remove any distractions that might be in the room right now. God, help us tune into your word and, and hear from you. God, you ask us to pray for the immeasurably more. And so God, do the immeasurably more, more than we can ask, more than we can think, more than we can imagine. God, stand in my body, speak through my mouth, the things you'd have me say and do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 
amen and amen. Somebody put amen in the chat. If you're in the room, you can, can have a seat. We invited a couple people just to kind of be in the room with us today, and we're spaced out. And I want to I get into this idea of dangerous prayers. Because like I said, I think a lot of times our prayers are, they're comfortable. They're easy. They're, they're routine. And, and I remember, you know, when I was in youth group, I don't know about you, but like, if I'm just being honest, um, I really didn't like prayer. Like my, my whole life, like I really didn't like prayer. And, and I think here's the main reason why, and maybe you can identify with me. Um, the main reason why I didn't like prayer is because simply I just didn't know how. Because I, early on when I was exposed to prayer for the first time, right, like I, I, had, I was experiencing these groups of people that like, they, they like prayed like professionals. Anybody been there before, right? Like you're, you're trying to pray and all of a sudden they pray and they're like saying all these big words and they're, they're praying in King James Version and they're quoting all 40 something scriptures. And you're like, I don't know how to do that. Right. And then you got the guy that's kind of like kind of kind of sees God in everything. And he starts praying about the, the leaves he saw and the grass he saw and how God spoke to him. And and to be honest, I'm just like, I just think it's kind of weird. And so for years, I'm like, I don't really know how to how to do that. Right. And maybe that's you today. Maybe the reason you, you don't pray is maybe because you don't know how. I think most of us would say that we believe in prayer, we believe in the power of prayer. But right now, if you were to raise your hand to say, if you need to pray more, I would assume almost every hand would go up. And, and so why is it then we know we need to pray? Why do, we, why do we not do it? I would argue that it's probably because, if we're being honest, we just simply don't know, don't know how. We don't know if it works. Maybe you've prayed some things before and you've asked God to provide for you. Maybe you've asked God to protect you. Maybe you asked God to heal a family member and, and they weren't healed. And you're just stuck wondering, like, does it even work? It's like, I just remember when I was in youth group for the very first time, they did this prayer circle, right? And uh, in this prayer circle, my friend told me, like, okay, if they ask you to pray, what we're going to do is we're going to stand in a circle. And the universal sign, if you want to like pass the prayer and you don't want to pray out loud, you just squeeze the person's hand next to you three, three times. And so everybody starts praying and it kind of gets to the guy before me and he's just going in. And I'm going, man, that's good. I don't know how to follow that. So it gets to me and I just start squeezing my friend's hand. And, uh, and they just kind of looked over and they grinned at me. And I'm like, take the prayer, take the prayer, take the prayer. And they won't take the prayer. And I'm like, gosh. And I was like, ditto. And they just kept going, right? Like, it's because like, why? Well, I don't really know how to pray. And I hate praying out loud. And it's just weird. And it's awkward. And, and so here's the deal. Like, I think there's a question that we need to ask. And it's the question that I want to talk about today. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. But how many of you know that if you never ask the question, you may never get the answer? And the problem with asking questions is it implies that you don't know the answer. It, it implies that you need help. It, it, it implies that you know explaining. And even though you've been told your whole life there's no dumb questions, the reality is, is we all know there's dumb questions. Right? Like we all are like, no, there's a dumb question. And here, here's, what I, here's what I've come to discover. You'll never know it's a dumb question unless you ask. And so I just, I just learned that if I'm going to get the answer, if I'm going to try to figure things out, I just got to learn to ask the question anyway. And so like, I'll say things like, God, I know you've told me this a thousand times. I know I'm supposed to probably already know the answer, but, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. I'm just going to ask you because I, I want to know. I want to know exactly what you have to say. And so let me just give you two prayers that I've prayed that have changed my life. And the first one is really simple. Lord, will you save me? I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer before, but let me just warn you that if you pray it, you will never be the same. That if you pray that prayer, you better be ready to leave your comfort. Because, because praying that prayer and asking God to save you, 
He's not only just saving you from hell. He's not only just saving you from your sin. He's also saving you from you. Right? Like he's, he's saving you from your desires. And so when you say yes to God and you pray, God, will you save me? His answer is always yes. Amen. But you just need to know that that means you're going to have to deny your comfort. That means you're going to have to deny those desires. You're not going to be able to do what everything you want to do, because when you ask God to save you, he will save you and he will change you. It's a dangerous prayer. So if you want to live in comfort, don't pray it. Because when you do, there is an X on your back and the enemy is after you. So maybe today, like before we go on to anything else, maybe if you haven't prayed that prayer today, maybe that's your next step. You, You need to pray, Lord, will you save me? And trust that he says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the second prayer. And this is the one I really, I really want to talk about. It's the second prayer I prayed that transformed and changed my life. And I would say it's, it's, it's the second most dangerous prayer you can pray. And I love this prayer because it's not only the prayer that I prayed, it's a prayer that the disciples prayed as well. And, and see, what I love about this is that the disciples could have asked Jesus for anything. Right? Like they seen him walk on water. Like if I was like a disciple, I would tell Jesus, like Jesus, like, Will you, will you teach me how to walk on water? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> like, I want to learn how to walk on water. I like going to parties. Jesus, will you help me turn water into wine? I'm going to get invited to every party. Come on, somebody, right? Like, if I'm going to ask Jesus to teach me something, I'm going to ask him, like, hey, I saw you, like, I saw you heal that person who had never walked before. I saw you open the eyes of the blind. Will you teach me how to do that? And out of everything the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them, they asked him this one question. And it's the, it's the question I ask, and it's the question I want to encourage you to ask today. And it's found in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. That's the title of the message today. Will you teach me how to pray? It's a dangerous prayer because if you ask this question, he will teach you and he will challenge you and he will convict you and he will change you forever. Will you teach me how to pray? And I love this so much that the disciples asked this question because there's this moment. It says that Jesus found himself in a certain place. Say certain place. Put in the the chat. Say certain place. So Jesus had this certain place that he would go and Disciples saw the way he prayed, and they're saying, there's something different about the way that you pray. There's something different about the way you connect with God. Jesus, will you teach me how to do that? Will you teach me how to connect with God like that? There's something different about the way that you pray. And I hear people all the time say, well, no, no, no. See, prayer is, is simply just talking to God. And that's true. Prayer is talking to God. That's where we start. But what if I told you there was more? Because what we know is that if they, if it was just simply talking to God, Jesus would have responded and said, it's simple, just talk to God. But instead, he says something completely different. He gives them a plan. And and so here's what I want to do. Before he teaches them how to pray, he teaches them first not how to pray so they can understand why they need to pray. And so in Matthew chapter six, if you're, if you're not familiar with the, with the Bible, there's a couple different accounts of what we know as the Lord's prayer. And Matthew six is a little bit more exhaustive. So we're gonna kind of spend some time there and then we'll jump back to Luke. But it's, this, it's the same eyewitness account. They just tell it a little bit different. And so in Matthew chapter six, here's what Jesus says as he teaches them before they pray, he wants to teach them something. He says this, and when you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who is unseen sees what is done in secret and will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. I want to draw your attention to the first verse in this. He says, when you pray. I didn't catch this the first time I read it, but it doesn't say if you pray. I think a lot of times as Christians, it's going like, the question isn't, do you pray or do you not pray? He's saying, when you pray, it's an expectation that if you know who Jesus is, you know who God is, you have a relationship with him. There is an expectation that you talk to him, that there's something going on. And he says, but when you do it, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the pagans who pray things with big prayers and they stand on the street corners. Why? So they can be seen. What does he say? He says, find a place, go in and shut the door. So before you pray, before you pray, you got to get a place. You need to have a place where you intentionally break away with God. You see this all of the time in scripture with Jesus, right? It says in Luke 11, verse one, it says he had a certain place. So he had a place that he would go intentionally to spend time with God. Now, this doesn't mean you can't pray throughout your day or pray in public. That's not the heart of it. I'm going to explain that in a second. But first, before you pray, I just want to encourage you, you need to have a place. The second thing I would say is, is you need to have a time. You need to have a time that you designate, that you're going to commit and say, I'm going to pray. As you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, what you'll notice is you'll notice that he would get up early in the morning to spend time with his father. How many of you know that when, however you start your day and where you start your day will determine how your day actually goes? So if you start your, your day on Facebook, comparing your life to everybody else's highlight reel, don't be surprised when you walk around angry. But when you start your day with prayer, you start your day with God, all of a sudden what prayer does is it gets you in aligned with him. And so now you can start your day seeing the way God sees. So you need to have a place and you need to have a time the third thing is this, you need to have a plan. A plan? What do you mean you need to have a plan? Well, it, what if I told you you could get better at prayer? What if I told you the prayers, the prayers you're praying right now, they're good and they're fine, but what if I told you you could get better? That you, you need to have a plan, and this is what Jesus is going to give us. He's going to give us a model. He's going to give us a plan so that we can learn how to pray. But he says, why? Before he ever teaches how. So why do we pray? Here's the basic truth of prayer. Prayer is rooted in trust. The reason why we pray is it's because it's an expression that we trust God. And see, you talk to people you trust. And so a lot of times what happens is, is the reason we feel like God is distant is because we're not actually talking to him. The reason why we don't feel connected to God is because he, he feels like he's far off. Let me say it like this. Distance creates distortion, but you bridge the gap through communication. And so if you don't want God to feel distant, you're going to have to first say, I'm going to talk to you because when I talk to you, I get to know you more and you get to know me more. And now trust is being built. 
So trust is the foundation of prayer. That's why he says, listen, don't do it like them. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, it's not about what you can just get from me. Don't get me wrong. I want to give you things. But the heart of prayer isn't to get something from God. The heart of prayer is to connect with God. The heart of prayer is so that you would get in tune with who he is. To not do it to be seen. And he says, and when you pray like this, you will receive your reward. What's your reward? It's peace. It's peace. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, about what that peace actually looks like in your life. And then it says something interesting in that last verse. It says, for your father already knows what you need before you ever ask him. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's like, well, if he knows what I need, then why do I got to even ask? Why do I got to ask him for anything? Why do I got to go to him and pray? Why do I got to go and talk to him if he already knows everything that I need? And so Jesus is going to talk to us about that. And so Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read the whole passage. I'm going to read how Jesus teaches us how to pray. He says this. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. So we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. But thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's go play some football. Right? Like that's what, that's what I prayed my whole life and had no idea what this meant. So let me slow down and I'm going to read it again and we're going to break it down. He says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, or from evil. The first thing I want to point your attention to, verse 9, it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is known as the prayer of adoration. This is the idea that God is a God who is to be praised, is, is to be looked upon as holy. Hallowed means to be set apart. Hallowed means to be regarded as holy or sacred. And he says, I want you to start with your prayers. I want you to start with Father. Why? Because God is a relational God. And God wants you to know him. He wants you to know him first and foremost as your Father. That you're going to praise him for who he is and acknowledge the fact that he is great, that he's bigger than you, that his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are better than your ways. So you start your prayer and he says, I want you to adore who God is. I want you to come in and I just want you to praise him for his character. I want you to praise him for who he is before you ever ask what you can get from him. A lot of times that's how we come in. We just start out and we say, God, I I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And that's fine. But what Jesus is trying to teach us that before you ever ask him to do something for you, why don't you first focus on connecting with him? Let's first acknowledge that whether he answers your prayer the way you want him to or not, he is still good. Whether he changes your circumstance or not, he is still in control. So he starts out and he says, Father. And then he says this word, hallowed, which is to be set apart, to be sacred, to regard it as holy. And so there's this tension here, right? There's this tension with with this prayer because he's saying in one respect, God is relational. He's like your father. But in another respect, he's hallowed, he's holy. And so what Jesus is trying to teach us to do is learn how to live in the tension that God, I can relate to you. You're my father, but you 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 are no comparison to anyone else. 
that you're not like anybody else. You are hallowed. You are set apart. You and I are not alike. You know better. So it starts out with saying, God, I want to praise you for who you are. It's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And so the prayer of adoration is agreeing with who God is instead of just asking him what he can do. And then he says this, he says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my kingdom come, not my will be done. He says, your kingdom. This is the prayer of consecration. This is the the prayer of surrender. This is the prayer where you go, you know what, God? This isn't about me. So before I ever make this about me, I just want to pause. Write this down. You need to learn how to practice the pause. That before you start going in about everything you need, that's fine. But before you start doing that, before you make decisions, before you, you, you call that person on the phone, whatever it may be, you need to learn how to first pause and go, God, before I ever say another word, I just want you to know that I am all yours. That my life is surrendered. That my life is for you. That it's not about my kingdom, it's your kingdom. So God, this isn't going to be about me getting you on my agenda. This is about you getting me on your agenda. Amen? Prayer isn't about us getting God to bend his ear towards us so that we can get him to do what we want him to do. And this is what the hypocrites did. This is what the religious leaders did. They thought by praying big prayers, they thought by using eloquent words, they thought by being loud in public that they could somehow convince God to do what they wanted them to do. And so what this prayer of consecration is, is God, this isn't about me. And people ask me all the time, how long should I pray? You should pray until it's no longer about you. You should pray until you come to the point and say, God, this is about your kingdom. This isn't about me. This is about your will, not my will, because your will is far greater than my will. And if I'm left to my own will and my own decisions, I will continue down the same path of destruction that you saved me from. And so he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? That's been our prayer all year. On earth as it is in heaven. In Gallatin as it is in heaven. That yes, God is in heaven, but God is also here and now. It's like, how's that possible? Because he's, this is a word you can write down, he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere always. So he's in heaven and he's here and he's there and he's with you in your house and he's here in this house. Why? He's not confined by space, but he chooses to interact with you within a space that you can know he's close. You can know that he's near. And so we have this God who, who may feel distant to you, but wants to remind you he is a father and he is close. And what he wants to do is for earth to look like heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's continue on in this prayer. He says, give us today our daily bread. This is known as the prayer supplication. This is where you make that ask. God, will you give me today what I need? And see, when Jesus prays this, he says this to an audience that knows exactly what he's referring to about daily bread. Okay, you're not just asking him to give you food. Daily bread is symbolic for what happened back in the desert with Moses and God provided manna from heaven as they wandered around for 40 years. I've mentioned this in a past sermon. What happened is that they have nothing to eat. They're praying and wondering where they're gonna get their nutrition from, where they're gonna get their food from. 
And so what God does is, is God sends manna, physical food, from heaven to them. But the condition was is that they could only eat and take what they needed for that day. And like what we would do is we would, and they would take more and start to store it up for themselves. And then they would realize the next day it was rotten. This is why prayer, this is why it's about connecting with God. That's why it's important for you to pray because it establishes trust. It's to say, God, I trust you that you're going to provide for me everything that I need. And I don't know if you know this, but what I've come to realize is he not only gives me what I need, he gives me more than I need. He gives me more than I need. So he's saying, God, I just, I need you to, 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 to provide for me today. I need you to bless me today. I need you to give me exactly what I need today. Give me this day our daily bread. Provide for me. It's the prayer of, of supplication that reflects a heart of trust. To say, God, I'm going to trust you to give, you, give me what I need. And I'm going to trust that not only do you know what I need, you know what's best. And that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to trust him with knowing what's best because we think we know what's best. And best sometimes looks different in all kinds of ways. Best sometimes looks like a different timetable than what you imagined. That's why it's important to communicate with God. It's because it helps you stay connected with him and you say, listen, this ain't on my agenda. This is on your agenda. So you know what's best for me. So will you give me what's best for me? And I'm going to trust that what you've given me today is everything I need to live the life you've called me to live. I need nothing more because you gave me everything I need. Amen? Here's the next one. It says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. This is known as a prayer of intercession or confession. This is the idea that you and I are broken. That you and I are sinners in need of a Savior. That we've all messed up. That's why we say here, you can belong before you believe because the truth is, is no one here is perfect, right? Like we've all got our issues. You don't gotta have it all together. And so Jesus acknowledges the fact that you're sinful and that you still have an access to God, that you can still enter into his presence with confidence because he is the great high priest that connects you to him. And so you and I can, can say, God, forgive us for our sin and we can know that he'll forgive us for our sin. But then I love this next part, it's really interesting says this, it says, and forgive us our debts, watch Jesus' language here, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Have forgiven, which implies you know and God knows that before you ever go to him and ask for forgiveness, you better be right with the people around you. That there's an expectation that if you're expecting God to forgive you, that there's an expectation you forgive them. Let me ask you a question. Who in your life do you need to forgive? Who in your life maybe has sinned against you that you're holding on to? And you're going to God and saying, God, will you forgive me? And he says, I'll always forgive you. But will you forgive them? Because if you've actually experienced my forgiveness, there's no way you can hold it to yourself. Will you forgive them? Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for the times I thought my way was better than your way. Forgive me for the times where I took more than I needed and I tried to store up my treasures on earth where rust and moss destroy rather than investing and trusting you and saying, I'm just going to put my faith in the kingdom of heaven and trust that God's going to give me what I need. So Jesus is trying to get you to see this is how you pray. Teach me how to pray. 
This is the prayer of confession, of intercession. And then finally, he says this in verse 13. Forgive us of our debts, so we've forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the prayer of protection. God, will you protect me from being who you set me free from? Come on. I wish somebody would just start praying that prayer. God, will you, will you protect me from who you set me free from? Because I have this tendency to go back to my old way. I have this temptation, this sin inside of me that wants things other than you. Will you protect me from that? Will, will you protect my family from a spirit of fear? Will you, will you protect my family from a spirit of darkness? God, will you, will you protect me and make sure that you, you, you keep me safe at night? Will you, will you keep my kids safe? Like some of you need to pray that prayer of protection over your life and over your family. And God says that he is your strong tower. He is your fortress. He will protect you, amen? He says, will you, will you deliver me from the evil? Deliver me from the evil one. Both translations are accurate. That there really is spiritual warfare. Now, before you freak out and get all weird on me, listen, there is, there is a, a battle that's not against flesh and blood, but against darkness and principalities that exist. That if you are a Christian, you have an X on your back and he wants to take you out. And so he says, will you deliver me? Will you save me? And you know the answer because Jesus stole the keys from hell. He'll always protect you. He says about temptation that he'll always provide a way out. That you're no longer, if you are in Christ, enslaved to your temptation, to your desires. But by the Holy Spirit, you can be set, set free. And so now you might be thinking, that's it? That's how you want us to pray? Well, Jesus, I've tried that before. I, I, I've done that. I've prayed your Lord's prayer. I've asked you to protect me. I've asked you to forgive me. I've asked you to do all of that. And like sometimes, God, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if it works. I remember when I was 15 years old. It was the second prayer I prayed after I prayed ditto. <laughs> and um, I remember this because my brother was sick with cancer. He was a year younger than me. And uh, we were in MD Anderson Hospital, and he was battling brain and spinal cancer and, and was on his way to recovery. He was about to get uh, a stem cell transplant, and uh, he's doing really good. And he went a couple days without having to be on steroids, without having to go through all of the, 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 the treatment and medication. And they were getting ready to do this, and all of a sudden, he took a turn for the worse. And so I just remember praying this prayer, God, will you, will you just heal my brother? God, I just pray you would take the cancer away from him. God, would you just save him? Don't let him die. And I just remember watching the people around me pray and people all over the country pray and people were sending letters and postcards and everyone is praying. And he died. Now, I don't know what your experience is like, but we probably all had those moments where we prayed and asked God to do something and he didn't do it. And so for years of my life, I was angry at God and I thought prayer doesn't work. And then what I came to discover was I remember this moment after I prayed that prayer when I started to think back on it, that I walked into the room at the Ronald McDonald house mm. 
And my 13-year-old brother has his hands lifted high. Praising God. God did save him. And God did heal him. Just not the way I thought he would. God will answer your prayer. But you got to trust him with the how. And so we, we've had these moments, all of us, where we've prayed and we go, I've tried it. I've done it. And then let me tell you what Jesus then says in Luke chapter 11. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I even feel like praying anymore. Here's what he says in, verse, in chapter 11, verse 5. He says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. I think this is funny because it's got to be teenagers <laughs> going to somebody's house at midnight, needing some food, hungry, got the munchies. A friend of mine is, on this journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I know something about that right now. Don't be coming to my house. I can't, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Here's what it says. It says, so I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So when you don't feel like prayer is working, when you don't know if it's, there's a purpose or a point, what Jesus is telling you to do is to keep praying. Don't stop. Keep praying. That The secret of prayer is persistence. See, this is actually a poor translation when they translated it over. This was actually, the, the, when it says to ask and to be given, to seek and it'll knock, that was actually an active participle. So the real translation is to say, to keep asking. To keep seeking, to keep knocking. Why? Because there is power in persistence, prayer. And here's what I would tell you, that the greatest enemy to your prayer life is your experience. The greatest enemy to your prayer life is your experience. What do I mean? Because you've been through some things, because you've been there, because you've done that, because you think you know. A lot of times what happens is, is we'll pray that prayer one time and it don't work, and you think, I got it. And because you think you got it, because you now have experience in life, you stop knocking. And Jesus is saying to keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Listen to me, you're not responsible to answer the prayer, you're just responsible to ask it. Let me say that again. It's not your responsibility to answer your own prayer. It's your responsibility to simply ask the question. And trust God for the answer. See, persistence is the key to prayer because persistence actually shows trust. Because a lot of times we'll come up and we'll just knock on the door. We'll ask him one time. But if we don't get the answer we want, we don't do it again. And so God's like, do you really trust me? Do you really trust my timing? Do you really believe I'm going to answer the door? Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep asking. And here's why, because James 5 says that the prayer offered in faith. Somebody type in faith in the chat. If you're in the room right now, say in faith. The prayer offered in faith 
will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they sin, they will be forgiven. Can I just ask you a question? Do you pray in faith or in doubt? Do you pray knowing God can do it, knowing he will finish it, knowing he will heal, knowing he will save, knowing he will forgive? Or are you praying and going, ah, maybe I think he might. You can say, well, how do you have the audacity to pray that? I have the audacity to pray the prayer because my God has the ability to answer it. So I'm going to pray in faith. I'm going to say, God will heal you. When I walk into a hospital room, I don't just go, oh, well, the Lord's will may be done. No, no, no. It's the Lord's will that you're healed, whether it's on earth or in heaven. I'm going to pray, God, you're going to heal her. You're going to be faithful. Because it's who you are. And your prayers may not always change the circumstance, but God will always change you. So he says to offer the prayer in faith. Then he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray that you'll be healed. The persistent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The persistent prayer, the fervent prayer, the one that keeps knocking, that keeps seeking, that keeps asking is powerful and effective. And here's what I think. I think a lot of times we treat prayer like he's the kid that nobody wants on the kickball team. (laughs) We say things like, well, I guess all I can do now is pray about it. I mean, I tried everything else. I guess I'll pray. I mean, I picked all of the other options and I think they're the first choice, but prayer, ah, come on, you can join my team. Can I just ask you something? Is prayer your first pick or your last? I wanna encourage you to pray first. Is prayer your first response or your last resort? Because God says, if you trust me, come talk to me. Come ask me, come seek after me. Jeremiah 29, 12 says that if you seek him with your whole heart, that you will surely find him. There is a promise attached to prayer and you will be rewarded. What's the reward? It's the peace of the Holy Spirit. And so the problem isn't that you have a small God. The problem is, is oftentimes we're praying small prayers. So let me ask you this. Do the size of your prayers accurately portray the size of your God? Because what if they did? Let's just think about that for a minute. Do the size of your prayers accurately pray the size of your God? Because what if they did? Would you serve a God who spun the universe into the existence? Would you be praying to a God who 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 breathed everything when there was nothing? Would you be praying to a God who raised a dead man to life? Would you be praying to a God who made the lame walk and the leper be cleansed? Would you be praying to a God who can heal and deliver? Or are you just praying to a God that can simply bless your food? Do the, do the, the size of your prayers accurately portray the size of your God. You got to start praying with audacity. You got to start praying in faith. You got to start praying and believing that God is bigger, that he's greater. And so if I'm going to spend my time in prayer, I'm going to pray to a God who can heal, who can save, who can deliver, who can provide, who can heal a broken marriage, not just the one who can get me through the day. God's going, is that it? But the prayer offered in faith, If you will have the audacity to ask, believe he's got the ability to answer.
Do you have the faith to ask God, will you teach me how to pray? Is your version of God really God or is it just an invisible version of a better you? Is God just the vending machine? And you put your time in and put your money in and expect to get what you want. Do you pray to the God of just enough or do you pray to the God of more than enough? Because here's what he says in Luke 11. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If I'm a father who is evil, can give good gifts to my children, how much more will God give me his spirit? (laughs) I was thinking the other day, my son Tatum, he's two. Our sons were born on the same day. It's crazy. Two years apart, July 13th, within an hour from each other. It's it's weird. It's crazy. God's hand is in it. And uh, I was, I was, I was hanging out with Tatum the other day. Jessica was feeding the baby and he just looked at me and he has this like question he asked. He'll say, daddy, donut, but he don't say a donut. He says, no nut. Daddy, no nut. Daddy, no nut. And see, I know what he wants before he ever asked me. Why? Because I'm a good father. If he asked me for a donut, I'm not going to give him a snake. That's what Jesus is saying. Why? Because a good father, even though he does evil, is going to give the kid what he needs. There's the word. Needs. Just because my son wants a donut doesn't mean he needs the donut. Just because you want God to do something doesn't mean he needs to do it. God not only knows what's good for you, he knows what's best for you. And so I just wonder, like, if you can put your faith in God and pray the dangerous prayer and say, Jesus, teach me how to pray today. I'm trusting that you're a good father who gives me more than enough, that gives me more than I need. And he says, I'll give you more than you need. I'll give you the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. How much more will he give? We got to stop praying limited prayers to an unlimited God. I'm going to say that again. you got to stop praying limited prayers to an unlimited God. Stop asking God to do the thing that you could do in your own strength. If you are in Christ, he's given you the Holy Spirit. If it's safe, it probably isn't a dangerous prayer. Stop asking God to simply do what he already gave you the ability to do. And oftentimes what we'll do is that we'll call it prayer, but it's really just laziness to act. You got to stop praying limited prayers to unlimited God. Stop praying for the things that you could do. God's going, that's fine if you ask me, but I've already given you the ability to do it. And so what if the reason you're not seeing the prayers, the power of prayer answered in your life is because you haven't yet asked Jesus how to pray. He wants to connect with you, friends. He wants to love you. He wants you to know how much he cares for you. He wants you to experience his grace. He wants you to experience his forgiveness. And so today, I I don't know what your question is, but you'll never know unless you ask. And so maybe today your question is, Jesus, will you save me? And if that's your prayer right now, I just want to pray that with you. Father, I just ask right now in your name, 
that you would answer that prayer and say yes and amen. I want to be your savior. I want to be your Lord. I forgive you for your sin. You don't have to live in bondage anymore. You're set free. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If you prayed that prayer, I want to get to know you. I want, you, I want to connect with you after the service. But I, right now, I just want to pray a prayer over you. As we leave, it's a blessing. It's a priestly blessing found in Numbers chapter 6. And, and two weeks ago when my son was in the hospital and delivered six weeks early, this was a prayer that God put on my heart to just pray over him as he's attached to these breathing cords, as he's attached to all of these machines to keep him alive. That he would know that God's face is shining on him. Friends, I just want you to know God's not disappointed with you. God loves you. When he looks at you, there is a smile on his face. That's why you can come to him and say, Father. So number six, verse 24 says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Jesus, I just ask right now that you would do the work only you can do. God, we praise you for who you are. God, even though we don't see you working, we know that you are working. So right now, God, I pray you would do the saving work of grace that people would know how much you love them, how they don't have to earn it, that it's only by you and you alone. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life. It's only by you. It's only by you, Jesus. We ask right now that you would save us. God, make your face shine upon us. God, that your favor would be on our life. We love you. God, bless us today. God, make your family. Come on. Amen and amen.
Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church slash give. Have a great day.